Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good morrow, uh, whatever it is to you today, you are tuned in to the Three Count Lariat podcast with the captain of the broadcast, LT. And if you don't know, let me explain. This is a podcast dedicated to discussing three opinions on topics in pro wrestling during this week. See, in wrestling, a referee will count a wrestler's shoulders to the mat one, two, three. So in this podcast, we use those three counts and apply them to topics. So on this podcast, instead of it being an opinion or instead of it being a subject, we'll call them counts. Now, with this special edition of the Three Count Lariat podcast, we will actually have not three, not one, but actually only two counts this week. Actually only two. Don't come at me. Don't add me. Actually, I want you to add me. Leads me to my next point. I want you to add me. Go ahead and add me on Twitter. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter, LT3CL. Let me know how mad you are that I've only done two counts this week and not three. You know, just some housekeeping things, formatting issues. I want to want to stay under 30 minutes. And with the first count in which I talk, which I uh, discuss, there's a lot of meat on that bone, and I don't want to just cheat the cheat the listener out of that entertainment and out of that information. So for this week, only this week, just two. Now, in today's episode, like I said, two this spicy discussion points today two spicy counts today but before i get into those counts today i gotta ask i got a question so when you were watching wrestling when you turn on the tv and you saw whatever show you saw whether it be wcw nitro monday night raw smackdown impact wrestling anything you've ever seen who was your favorite manager at the time who was your favorite you know Who was your favorite ring valet or, you know, uh, advocate or, you know, uh, you know, ring manager? You know, people people think about the greats like Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, Jimmy Hart, you know, Paul Bear, Jim Cornette, Paul Heyman or Paul E. Dangerously, as some of you might know. People think the greats like those. But who is your favorite? Huh? Who's someone that stuck out to you? Go ahead. Like I said before, go ahead and add me on Twitter at LT3CL. Add me. Send me, a, send me a request. Go ahead and follow me. And I'll follow you back as quick as I can from my private residence in Boca Raton or Malibu or Dubai or my other residence in the high mountains of Colorado that I may or may not be at right now. <laughs> anyway, y'all, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this first count right now. All right, y'all, first count of the day, first count, first count. All right, so... I gotta talk about AEW, man. I gotta, I gotta talk about AEW. So this week, I believe it was the May fifth episode of AEW. Um, it was good. It was good. Um, 
but there's some things we have to discuss. The counts are going down. So, May 5th, uh, AEW on TNT, you know, uh, it was the Blood and Guts um, program. That's what they were calling it. Like, every one of these, sometimes AEW has these, like, mini, mini pay-per-views they put on, like, during the week or something like that. And this was a special edition, the Blood and Guts edition. Now, for anyone that doesn't know what Blood and Guts is, um, think back to the WCW uh, War Games match. Basically, where the top is on it, and it's two rings, and it's a big cage, and it's like ten men fighting. Basically that. Um, And this episode was pretty much like centered around the blood and guts match that was going to happen later in the night um between the pinnacle and uh the inner circle the pinnacle of course um uh having you know mjf with sean spears ftr wardlow um and tully blanchard as the manager and then the inner circle with chris jericho santana ortiz Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager. So, um, overall, I mean, the the show was good. It was a two-hour show. Um, the last 45 minutes was dedicated to the Blood and Guts match. Um, the first hour, however, was filled with a couple matches here and there that were kind of good. Um, but I want to discuss this Blood and Guts match that happened at the end of the night because it's got got all kinds of fans in different camps thinking this and thinking that so let me go ahead and get into that so the blood and guts match right uh it was explained by justin roberts the ring announcer that it's a match of you know one person will start with another person you know one member versus another member and then the uh the pinnacle they have the one man advantage so after uh, an amount of time, I think it was like a minute or two minutes, um, somebody else enters the match. So the Pinnacle was going to have their team start and enter the match first to kind of have a two-on-one advantage. And uh, the way to win the match was by either submission or surrender, right? Not pinfall or submission, but submission or you got to say I surrender. And until all 10 members get in the ring, the match didn't start. So, uh, the way the match began is that it was it was Sammy Guevara versus uh, Dax Harwood, and I mean they went at it. They started really pretty hot. The crowd was pretty hot for the match just because there were so many like things to think about. Like it was it was a cage, you know, it was two rings, a cage, and then weapons were brought in later. So it was a lot to be excited about. And it was cool to see these two, like, be in the ring together. These two, one person being a part of a tag team, the other person being a singles guy, but still, like, fighting for their their opposing team. So, it was Sammy in first, and then it was Dax uh, versus Dax. And then after that, Sean Spears came in, and he brought a chair in to kind of feed into the chairman gimmick that he has. He's known as the chairman. So, he brought a chair in, uh, started going to work on Sammy. You know, Sammy was kind of kind of getting beat up a little bit, uh, giving Dax a little bit of time to rest before coming in. Um, and after Spears came in, after a certain amount of time, Ortiz came in from uh, from Santana and Ortiz. So Ortiz comes in, into the match, uh, kind of makes it makes it even. Um, 
you know, he's going right right at these guys. After Ortiz comes Cash, the, the other the other member of FTR, to kind of make it, okay, now it's three on two, you know. And then after Cash, it was, uh, I believe it was Wardlow. Uh, after Cash came in, then I believe after Cash, it was... Might have been, actually, probably after Cash, it was going to be uh, Santana who came in. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I have all this written down, but the match was just so crazy. I'm trying to think about who came in first and who came next. Anyway, uh, Santana came in, started clearing house, doing his thing. I mean, the match really picked up um, at, at this next point when uh, Wardlow and then Hager came in later. Um, because it was the big, you know, cleaning house, the big guys, right? Think about Kevin Nash. Think about, uh, you know, your big, big men coming in and clearing the house and then having to stare off. And you got to see Wardlow and Hager have that stare off of, okay, which, which giant is going to, you know, who's going to blink first, right? And there were so many, like, just crazy spots. I didn't even have time to think about it and, like, write them all down. But... I mean, mostly everybody in this match was was a was a crimson mask. They were everybody was bleeding, you know. Um, so the match was called Blood and Guts. They gave us what we wanted, right? People were bleeding, things were going crazy, right? So uh, after Hager gets in, we got MJF, right? We're, we're rounding out with team captains. MJF comes in, uh, basically has basically waits for the rest of the pinnacle to come in. And then starts beating down some of the members and then posing on the ring and posing on the ramp. And he's doing his thing, right? He's letting his boys beat up on the inner circle. And then Jericho comes in and he brings in his bat. And now we get the face-off, the five-on-five face-off going to war, right? It was a it was a bad, bad. It was it was so cool to see. You really had to see it. These two teams. In, in opposing rings facing off and then they come to the middle and I mean it was just anarchy it was it was really a uh, it was really a bloodbath a lot of blood a lot of people bleeding and this is on TV by the way this is on free TV you know ad breaks here and there but this is on TV it was crazy so with all these entries and crazy spots the finish the finish of the match comes when uh, Chris Jericho uh, follows MJF to the top of the cage structure and they trade submissions up there I believe uh, Chris Jericho got him in the walls of Jericho and then um, MJF got Chris Jericho into the uh, the Fujiwara arm, bar- arm breaker I think, I think he calls it the, uh, the salt of the earth that's what it's called so he got him in that and they were they were trading submissions and the finish came when uh MJF threatened to, to threaten to throw Chris Jericho off the cage, and he's looking at some of the inner circle members and he's saying, "I'm gonna throw him off. I'm gonna throw him off. I'm gonna throw him off." And he said, "You gotta say you, you surrender, or I'm gonna throw him off." And Sammy Guevara of the inner circle, he shouts, "You know, I surrender! I surrender! We surrender! We surrender!" And the match is over, and the Pinnacle wins. Right? So, as a casual fan watching this. You don't necessarily know what's next, right? You think, okay, the match is over, cool, whatever. As an experienced fan who's been watching wrestling for over 10 years, I can tell you what's going to happen next. I already knew. So 
so the villain, you know, think about think about Batman. Think about um, you know any any favorite movie you have, right? Um, the villain will tell you, hey, um, give me this money or I'm gonna kill the girl, right? And then when the hero decides to give into the ransom, what does the villain do? Still try to kill the girl, right? So here comes the villain, MJF. He says, if you surrender, I won't throw him off the cage. After they surrender, what does he do? Throw him off the cage. <laughs> so MJF threw Jericho straight off the cage um, onto uh, a structure that was like on the bottom. And this is kind of where the fans were kind of split. So in wrestling, you know, you can't necessarily be doing, you know, a Mick Foley, Hell in a Cell 98 kind of dive anymore. Like, being thrown off the cage like that, that, that's, you know, unless you got protective coverings and stuff, that doesn't happen anymore. So, in this modern age of wrestling, yeah, Chris Jericho took a fall onto a plastic and then, like, bed-like structure that was under him that you could kind of see. Basically, they call it a crash pad. And this is where fans started to kind of call the match bad. So some fans were like, oh, well, you know, how could Chris Jericho take that bump onto, you know, a bed, onto basically a mattress, you know? How could he do that? You know, the match sucked, you know? How could he do that? Da 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 And these fans who are clamoring about this finish and about how bad they think it is are the same fans that were uh, that were getting mad when Matt Hardy took his fall um, a couple months ago onto hard concrete. These are the same fans that are mad about that. You know, these are the same fans that are like, dude, you know what's going on? So it really comes down to like, what do you what do you want? You know, I can definitely tell the mature wrestling fans from the fans that are not mature because a mature wrestling fan knows that at the end of the day, it's a work. At the end of the day, you know, it's entertainment. It's not It's not necessarily, you know, shoot for shoot real. So if it's not shoot for shoot real, then do you want the entertainers who are entertaining you, do you want them to get hurt? I wouldn't think so. So I'm never gonna, gonna fight for an entertainer I grew up watching to get hurt just because I want my satisfaction. No. Like, did it look kind of? Yeah. The camera angle should have been a little better so it could hide that mat. But I'm not mad about the match. The match was good. You know? Um, but yeah, internet fans getting mad about that, kind of don't understand that. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but... It just kind of doesn't doesn't make sense. Like, you know, what do you want? Do you want your, your your you know what I'm saying? Like, you want your entertainers to be hurt? You know, we didn't want to see Matt Hardy take that that fall onto concrete and have a concussion and all kinds of stuff like that. So, Chris Jericho landing on a platform that was obviously a crash pad shouldn't affect anybody. So, I'll, I'll say that. Um, the one the one uh, kind of uh, criticism I had is just like. In the match, it seemed like the inner circle took a little bit too much of the match. Like, I want, I would like for the pinnacle to be, like, more dominating, I guess. Because towards the end of the match, the inner circle was kind of had it in the bag. So, you know. But the right decision happened. The right team won. Because if the pinnacle did not win this match, you could kind of see, okay, maybe there's nothing going to, there's nothing, you know, salvageable, salvageable about this faction but 
they won, so everything's good. So, in summary and in closing, great match, great uh, work by all ten guys. They all deserve weeks off to you know to really um, to recover because it was crazy. And, and you know Chris Jericho falling off that cage, I couldn't take that bump. I mean, you know, would I for the love of the wrestling business? Yeah, but. Some of these guys who are getting angry about that wouldn't even take that kind of bump. So, in summary, great match. Fans, we got we to gotta figure out what we, what we want, you know? We got to figure out what we want and stick by that. Alright, y'all. Count number two. Alright. Count number two. So, this week on Friday Night SmackDown, we actually had something this week. WWE is actually doing a little bit better now. I guess, I guess after our uh, fireside chat, I guess last week, um, WWE is producing some good content. Raw is still not that good, but SmackDown actually got something this week. Um, this is actually going to be the May 7th edition of SmackDown, actually. And I want to discuss some stuff. So... The, the highlight of the show is always Roman Reigns. It's always whatever Roman Reigns is doing, whoever he's involved with, is a highlight every time. And this week, no different. So, this week's SmackDown was supposed to be a retro SmackDown. Um, and a lot of fans on Twitter and Facebook and all throughout social media, they were clamoring for the return of the SmackDown fist. You know, the, the set design that we grew up with. But um, WWE seemed to think that retro SmackDown or throwback SmackDown meant like 80s, which SmackDown wasn't even in the 80s. But it, it's weird. They, they basically brought all the 80s kind of uh, set design stuff and the name plates and even an Ico Pro commercial, which if you know who what Ico Pro is, or you ever seen that, you are a legit fan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty pretty underwhelming. But presentation aside, um, the show starts with Roman Reigns coming out with uh, Jay Uso and Paul Heyman, and as we all know now, Roman Reigns is the tribal chief. He is uh, he is the representation of the, you know, Anuai, you know, uh, the Anuai Fatu kind of Mayavia family. He is the representation. He's the head of the table, right? So he comes out, they throw to a video package, uh, which is talking about Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns' match last week, kind of throws it back to that. Um, and then we're back in the ring. And Paul Heyman decides to do a 10-bell salute for Daniel Bryan's career. This was so funny. He decides to, you know, basically he, he audibly, you know, says ding about 10 times to eulogize his Daniel Bryan's career. Because now Daniel Bryan can't come back. He's done. Because he lost his match last week to Reigns. So... He's doing that, and then Roman goes. Roman uh, proceeds to say, "Well, now that we've gotten rid of Daniel Bryan, I've brought someone back that will acknowledge me." And he points to the stage, and here comes Jimmy Uso. 
uh, returning Jimmy Uso. Jimmy Uso was uh, on the on the shelf for about a year, uh, dealing with I think it was a leg injury, maybe. Uh, he's been on the shelf for a while though, so that's why his brother Jay has been doing a lot of uh, a lot of heavy work and been getting over pretty much. So now Jimmy Uso's back. Jimmy comes back in the ring and he's happy to be there. He's dapping up everybody, you know, shaking hands and he's happy to be there. And I believe after Jimmy comes back, then we have Cesaro come out and say, oh, uh, you're talking about, you know, replacing Daniel Bryan. You know, you can't replace Daniel Bryan. You can't replace him. And then Seth Rollins attacks Cesaro, and it leads to uh, the scheduled match of Cesaro and Seth Rollins. But um, the, I guess, the guest enforcer for the night or the guest manager for the night, uh, Teddy Long, kind of comes out and basically says, if Cesaro wins his match against Seth Rollins, then he will qualify to challenge Roman Reigns for the title. So if Cesaro beats Seth, he can fight Roman for the title, right? So this turns into a match between Cesaro and Seth. And the main part of this match, the match was good and everything, but the main part that I wanted to pay pay attention to was the involvement of the Usos in this match because they are directly involved with Roman. So Jey Uso, right-hand man to the head of the table, um tries to get involved a little bit uh, with the match and I believe Cesaro knocks him down um, or Cesaro d- did something with him and then Seth Rollins came out and ended up uh, messing with Jey Uso and then receiving a super kick uh, from Jimmy which threw him off and uh, ended up having Cesaro win the match so the Usos play a part in this yet again now now Cesaro is going to challenge uh for the WWE title at Wrestlemania's Backlash yeah I know the name's kind of dumb but yeah so that's what's going on now so now the Usos have kind of caused you know a rift because Reigns does not want to face Cesaro and it seems that Jimmy Uso has now caused this so it leads to a couple backstage segments, one in particular where um, Roman Reigns wants to know, you know, what's going on with Jimmy. Why, why would Jimmy do that? And Jimmy basically comes in there and says, look, I ain't no bitch. You ain't going to talk to me like, like you talk to Jay. Um, you know, I ain't going to do all that. And Roman's not happy with that at all. Um, another segment in the night sees the Usos kind of talking and Jay is one, asking Jimmy, like, Jimmy, why won't you, like, fall in line? You know, he's the tribal chief. We got to acknowledge him, whatever, whatever. And Jimmy's like, dude, we could be tag team champions. Like, that's what that's what, that's what representing the family, not, not you know, siding with Roman. Like, come on. Like, he's in it for himself. So this causes a rift. And at this point, I can kind of see, okay, are we sowing the seeds of a brother versus brother rivalry somewhere down the line? That's where we could possibly be going. And I was like, cool. You know, I'm good with it. At the end of the night, uh, Roman Reigns wants an answer from Jimmy. He wants to see where Jimmy's head is, head is at. And Jimmy basically reminds Jay that the only reason that Jay is aligned with Roman Reigns is because Roman threatened Jimmy at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view a couple months ago, which made uh, Jay Uso basically tap out and acknowledge 
Roman Reigns as the tribal chief um, and join with him. So it brought back that kind of history. And Roman says this this line, and this is this is how you know he is the star of the show. He says this line where after J- uh, Jimmy is reminding everyone about this situation and saying, you know, this is wrong. Roman says, look, Jimmy, you can either fall in line or you can take your ass back home and explain to your kids why you're not there with the Uso. You know, threatening to bring them down to one because maybe it'll just be Jay at the top and Jimmy will just have to be gone from existence. And at this line, Jimmy basically walks out of the ring. Jimmy doesn't want to hear it. So he walks out of the ring. He's gone. Cesaro uh, tees off on on Roman and Jay comes in to try. Well, Jimmy originally stops Jay from trying to get involved, but Jay breaks away, gets involved, gets gets laid down. And after Jay gets laid down, that's when Jimmy comes in to save his brother and still gets beat up. And Cesaro stands tall at the end of the night. So (laughs) recapping that, man, it's crazy because it seems like where we're going in this story is it's going to be a brother versus brother kind of rivalry between the two Usos, leading to maybe Jimmy facing Roman Reigns at, I don't know, Money in the Bank or like maybe Extreme Rules, possibly. Not SummerSlam, they're building something bigger for SummerSlam, but I think that's where this is possibly going. I'm not sure, but SmackDown has me intrigued now, so... Everything's going pretty good. SmackDown's got me intrigued. I can't wait to see what they do next. All right, all right. The 3CL, but for this week, 2CL has been completed, and we are back. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody for for tapping in with your boy, listening to me critique and talk about these wrestling events. I mean, this week was crazy. So crazy that I can only give you two counts because blood and guts was crazy. So much blood. So many, so many just tired, uh, angry faces. So many crazy bumps. So many crazy chair shots. I mean, I couldn't even take it. And then, of course, you know, Roman Reigns dominating SmackDown. I mean, making SmackDown his yard, in which it already was, but now still is. I mean, it's amazing to see uh, the growth of where Roman has come from. And now to see where he is at, being the head of the table, being the tribal chief and commanding that respect in which he deserves. It's awesome to see that. And I can't wait to see what happens next in both companies. I mean, come on. Wrestling, we are living in a renaissance right now. We're living in the best time for pro wrestling. And before I get up out of here, before I get to this hot chicken, which I have sitting on my table, uh, before I uh, get down to that, I want to answer the question I posed in the beginning of the podcast. Who was your favorite manager? Who was the manager that you saw and you just, you hated him or you loved him, but you knew that was your favorite wrestling manager? Now, for me, uh, growing up, uh, 
I saw a couple different managers. You know, I grew up in a different kind of era. I, I watched wrestling earlier in my life, but I came back to it around 2006, 2007. And around that time, yeah, managers like Armando Estrada, who was managing Umaga. Um, you had a couple others, but not that much. You know, a couple valets here and there. But one manager in my in my in my uh, recent watching of wrestling has really shown me, you know, this is what it's like. And I studied this guy, um, Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, Paulie Dangerously, known back in the day. That dude is amazing. I mean, he's he's so brilliant with his delivery and how he can get across his points while also getting across that his client or his family or his group is the best group you've ever seen. And the way he's able to get that across is so precise and so pristine. I just, you can't knock it. You can't do anything but respect it, right? You don't like him, but you respect it. And that that's who I look up to, but enough about me i want to know about you let me know add, add me on on twitter hit that hit that follow button let me know you're out there chop it up with your boy hit me with questions answers what you want to know in the news i can let you know send me a smoke signal let me know you're out there you know what i'm saying <laughs> but as i get out of here and as i open the door from this life into the uh life where i'm not hungry anymore I would like to remind you all of this very, very, very important statement. Now, when life hits you, and life is going to hit you with several different things, could be medical, could be relationship-wise, could be your job, could be anything. When life hits you with that lariat, when life hits you with that lariat, look up, kick out with your shoulder, Make sure that three count don't happen. Peace.